go to communities of writers that are related to your niche in some way. So like Facebook groups. I know there's a lot of Slack groups out there for writers or for just general marketing people. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Okay, everyone. Today we have Bill Woodburr, who is an SEO expert and a serial entrepreneur. We've worked together in the past. He's done incredible work for us. So I wanted to have him on today to talk about really the trends in SEO and content. And, you know, we'll jump around, but, you know, we'll try to keep this one tactical to the point and uh, give you guys something to do and uh, get back to your day. So, Bill, how's it going? It's going fantastic, man. How are you? Doing well, thanks. Thanks for being on the show as well. So the way I'd like to start these off is learning a little more about kind of who you are and what your story is, and you, you decide how you want to want to answer that. Sure, absolutely. So I'll start off by saying I'm a very lucky man in that uh, my fiance is also my business partner and couldn't have done anything without her. So shout out to Kayla. Thank you. Basically, our entrepreneurial journey started. I actually started out selling Cutco knives back in uh, early college days. Have you ever heard of Cutco? Yep. So uh, for the listeners, if you don't know, it's basically kitchen cutlery sets. And <laughs> real quick, funny story. I actually used to have snake bite piercings in my lips. So and really long hair. I used to like straighten it and everything. I was total emo back in the day. So I'd be going door to door to these people's houses trying to sell them knives with <laughs> snake bites in my lips and long straightened hair and this emo kid. It's like what are you doing? (laughs) But uh, so that's where it all started. And that's kind of how I cut my teeth, so to speak, in the sales world. And I realized that I really enjoyed being my own boss and making my own hours. And that quickly turned into me trying a whole bunch of different businesses from e-commerce to promotional products to content writing and freelance writing. And freelance writing is really where I finally started making some money. All of those other things that I did, they technically failed because I didn't make any money in the long run. A lot of them I actually lost money on. But freelance writing, there were no real costs. It was just me making money and just outputting content. So I got really passionate. I've always been passionate about writing, but I was like, that first time I ever got paid for something I wrote, I was like, holy crap, people are actually willing to pay for this? Of course, that was like six years ago almost now. Fast forward, I learned a lot about SEO along the way and kind of as a way to figure out how I could charge more because there's kind of a cap as to how much you can charge as a freelance writer in most industries unless you have something else to bring to the table. And in this case, for me, it was SEO. I took a bunch of different courses like uh, Brian Dean's course, SEO That Works, and a handful of others. And then we started testing it out on our site, The Wandering RV, which is all about full-time RV travel. And it, about six to eight months after I started testing the theories that I learned, I was able to make an income off of that. And I really started ramping up offering that to clients because we had proof that it actually worked. So that kind of gave us that self-confidence. I know that was kind of a bit long-winded, but that's pretty much where we're at. Great. And you said uh, the, the website's The Wandering RV? Yes. Okay. And how much traffic does that get approximately per month? So this year, it's been getting a little over 300,000 visits per month. About 90% of that is from Google. The rest is like Pinterest and uh, direct. 
Got it. Okay, cool. So uh, why why not go all in on that business? And because I think most people would try to get away from consulting. Um, at, at least uh, that's the initial notion that I get. Um, so why why stick with consulting as well? So we are going away from consulting, actually. I do still offer it as a service, but uh, it's becoming less and less of what I do on a day-to-day. The only reason I still offer it is because it's something I'm really passionate about and I don't mind doing. Like I really enjoy talking with clients about how to improve their SEO strategies. So it's just kind of a fun thing that I can make some money from. That's awesome. And so the, the Wandering RV, can you tell us a little more about that, uh, how long you've had it for, what the site's about, and then we can kind of go from there? Yeah, so um, Kayla and I actually started the site probably about a little over three years ago now. We started it originally as just a way to kind of share our travel stories because we lived in an RV for about six months and uh, we wanted to keep our family and friends up to date. So we were just going to publish, you know, here's what we're doing this week, that kind of thing. It was never really like intent on making money until it became this kind of test subject for all of our SEO marketing. So now we make most of our money through affiliate commissions and advertising revenue. Got it. And you don't have to give an exact number, but um, when when you build a site like that, I guess, you know, so I heard affiliate, I heard um, kind of uh, advertising revenue too. Can you give a range of what people can expect if they're getting 300,000 visits a month? uh, How much can they be making a month? Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to vary a lot depending on how heavily you advertise. We do have some pretty heavy ads right now. We're actually looking to cut back a little bit just because we feel like it's a little too much. you got to balance out between the income and the ad ratio and all that kind of stuff. So as far as a rough idea of numbers, it's we're in the low to mid six-figure range. And that's per month? Oh, no, no, no. That's per year. <laughs> got it. Okay. Cool. Um, Great. That sounds good. And so, So what are you planning to do if you cut the advertising? How are you going to make up that income? So we're not going to cut it completely. We just want to reduce the number of ads overall to have a better user experience. So right now we've got a header ad that's just above the content. We've got the sticky sidebar and then another sticky one at the very bottom. And it's just a lot going on. So we're trying to figure out the numbers as to, okay, if we cut one of those sticky ads, how much is that going to reduce our income by? And is it actually worth it to do that? Right. Okay. And so uh, if you, okay, if you cut ads, I'm assuming you're going to be reducing the income, right? So are you going to be charging more to replace that income? So we actually have um, a company called AdThrive manage all of our ads for us. Okay. So we don't directly impact the number that we're charging. They actually optimize that on their end. We can oh, okay. kind of got it, got it. suggest, okay. but yeah. Cool. So it's, it's hands off. You just say, I, I still want to make like 10 grand a month or whatever. As long as you guys can make that happen, I still want to, I want to make a better user experience too. And they make it happen. Yeah, exactly. They work really close with us. Got it. Okay. And so, um, how long, I, I might've missed this already, but, um, how long have you had, uh, the wandering RV for? About three years. Okay. And what, what do you think has been the impetus for growth? Cause I think a lot of people would be, would, would, would kill for 300,000 visits a month. Yeah, absolutely. It's 100%. It's been um, content SEO. So it's been a lot of keyword research, creating the content for those keywords, optimizing them. We do a lot of LSI keyword optimization. So I use a tool called Cognitive SEO for that. And then uh, a lot of link building. So guest posting, uh, podcast interviews like this one, broken link building, just outreach. And then a big one that we're doing right now is actually statistics. So um, statistics, if you create a study, especially if you create a study around a keyword that actually has some search volume and you rank for that keyword, you can get a lot of really easy PR links and journalist mentions and things like that. 
Got it. That's awesome. And what do you think? I mean, it sounds like you, because okay, you, great. You you had uh, well, you had your spouse as a partner, which is awesome. You, you two are yeah. locked in on, on on things. I guess for the people that are getting started or looking to scale, it sounds like because uh, they they can do like a million things, right? My thing is always like if you try to do too many things, that the problem with that is you're you're going to be very average at everything, right? So if you had to say maybe if you had to narrow it down to one thing that led to your success, um, what would you have focused on first if you were to restart? Yeah. So I, I guess the one thing is content. It's all content. It's all writing. Because we grew the blog initially through writing really, really good content that was better than anything out there on Google for our own blog. And then also for writing a ton of guest posts for other sites to actually build the links to those posts to get them to rank. Because link building is extremely important, especially when you're first starting out. Right. And when you, uh, you know, link building, it, some people go for the, the quantity game. It sounds like you're going for quality. So, you know, let's just put it this way. Like, let's say you spend, uh, I don't know, eight hours on writing a piece of content. Um, how many hours would you spend on doing the actual outreach for the, the link acquisition for, you know, let's just say we're focusing on one piece? Yeah. So nowadays it's a lot less because once you have the authority, it's a lot easier to rank without building a ton of links. But back in the beginning, if we spent, you know, six, eight hours creating one piece of content, We'd probably spend just as much of that, just as many, excuse me, just as many hours, if not double the amount of hours, on link building. Yeah, that's nuts. Um, and I'm literally, I'm looking at your latest post here on, um, I think, twenty stories that will inspire you to live in an RV. So let's see how many words this thing is. This looks like about fifty-six hundred words. So um, you're doing the long-form stuff, I guess. Um, how long does it typically? Uh, I guess what is your writing or your your creation process for like a blog post like this one? Well, that one is actually kind of an anomaly because we didn't write like any of that content because that was actually um, a, a roundup. So we reached out to a bunch of different full-time RVers to have them share their story, like how they got into RVing and how they like it, etc. And they actually provided the content for that. And that was actually a link building tool as well because once we published that, the people who contributed were more likely to link back to it. But to answer your question, yeah, we definitely go for long-form content. Most of our content is a minimum of 1,500 words, but usually it's 2,000, 3,000 words. Depending, it, it, let me give some reference to this too, because I don't believe that word count should be the same for every single keyword or every single article you're going after. Tool I mentioned before, Cognitive SEO, they have a keyword assist tool. That's actually the LSI stuff I was talking about. But it also shows you the average word count of the top 10 results. So usually what I'll do is I'll look at the top three, top five, see what their average word count is, and then try and kind of match or exceed that. But I also try and say the most amount of information in the fewest amount of words. Like it's not, I'm, I'm not fluffing up the content to hit a word count. I'm making it as valuable as possible in the fewest amount of words while still trying to hit that word count. If I have to add more sections or more examples or whatever that might look like, then I do that. But does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. I guess kind of where I'm trying to go with this too is, um, you know, a lot of SEOs out there or even content people say, yeah, you know, go for 1,500, 2,000, 3,000 plus words. You know, same kind of um, link building advice to it. This is all like, you know, foundational stuff that's really important. I guess, what do you think separated you from other people, what do you think you did was special that got you to the 300,000 a month? Is there any, any secrets that, that you can share there? I guess I took a holistic approach to it. So first of all, the content we made, I just made sure I did everything that we could to make ours better than everybody else. I made sure that there were 
more more images, better images, that it was formatted better, that it was written better, that it had more information. Just anything I could do to make that content more valuable to a reader, we did it. And then also, as we're writing this stuff, we're using these other tools and tactics like the LSI keywords to make sure it's better optimized for a given keyword than the other content that's already ranking. Because Google is still a robot. You know, as, as good as it's getting at finding great content, it still relies on keywords. There's um, uh, an acronym. It's called TFIDF. It's like term frequency. I, I don't remember the exact wording, but it's basically a way of looking at a particular keyword and then these other related keywords and how frequently they're mentioned within a piece of content without overdoing it. You don't want to keyword stuff. So that's on the content side. Two things. Uh, can you a can you explain what uh, LSI is, and then I have a question for you right after that. Sure. So LSI is latent semantic indexing. Basically, it's a fancy way of saying related or synonymous keywords. Okay. And so, in layman's terms, uh, how can people use that? So basically, um, if you want to do this for free, go to lsigraph.com and plug in whatever keyword you're trying to rank for and it'll give it'll spit out some LSI keywords for you. It's not as sophisticated as the cognitive SEO tool, but it'll get the job done if you don't want to spend any money. But basically, the way that it works is these LSI keywords tells Google what your content is about. So, the example that everybody gives is okay, so let's say you're writing a post about cars. Now, are you talking about cars the vehicle, cars the Disney movie, uh, some other kind of cars? The way that Google tells exactly what that page is about is by these LSI keywords. So are you talking about engines? Are you talking about you know horsepower, all this other stuff? Or are you talking about, do, do you use the word Disney within the content? Do you use the word movie or flick or stuff like that? So it's kind of a way of showing Google exactly what you're talking about. Okay, great. Thank you for that. So as of this morning, I was reading a search engine roundtable, and um, there's a piece, um, I think... Uh, one of the spokespeople from Google, um, I think Gary, do you, do you know his last name? Gary, he's like the new mm. Matt Cutts. So Matt Cutts, former head of uh, search spam or web spam. But anyway, so this guy said um, that there's no such thing as LSI. What's your take on that? Call it what you will. I mean, maybe maybe Google doesn't use LSI exactly. But from what we've seen, so this the I keep mentioning cognitive SEO we are, it essentially gives you a content performance score on a scale of 0 to 100, 100 being the best. On average, the content performance score correlates with higher rankings. So we've actually seen where if we have a score of, I don't know, 50 or 60 for a particular post and we bump it up to like a 90-something, we've actually seen our rankings increase without doing anything else to that post. So that to me tells me that there's something going on here. So is cognitive SEO kind of like a competitor to ClearScope and MarketMuse? Yes, it's not as sophisticated, and it's also much cheaper. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So just so everyone knows, uh, MarketMuse, uh, ClearScope, Cognitive SEO, all these tools. Um, it, you know, when I look at ClearScope and MarketMuse specifically, you can basically open up your WordPress dashboard or whatever CMS you're using, and then you can they'll tell you keywords to add in there, and that's basically kind of what you're talking about, Bill, right? Like you know, adding the right keywords to make it more easier, more searchable for um, spiders, and then uh, you can get more traffic that way. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Great. And cognitive SEO, I'm assuming you're paying the, what, 129 bucks a month? Um, so, I don't know if they want me to tell you guys oh, this. Oh, you're, you're probably in a anyway. special deal. You don't, need, you don't need to tell us. It's okay. No, no, no. no, no. It's not. Um, basically, if you reach out to them, they will actually um, give you a deal if you do just the keyword tool. And it's ah. like 50 bucks a month, but you have to pay it quarterly. 
So you get it a little bit cheaper because that's oh, the only that's thing worth I use. It. Yeah, that's the only thing I use on their actual tool. So that's awesome, man. Cool. So let's talk about. Uh, I just want people to get a little more uh, think about tactics here too. So you know, longer form content doesn't always have to be five thousand words; it could be fifteen hundred words or so. Uh, what's your publishing frequency? So I don't really feel like publishing frequency has anything to do with how Google ranks you. Yes, there is a freshness, like you have to update your content, and if it goes out of date or if somebody comes and makes something that's more up-to-date than what you have, they can outrank you. But as far as how many posts you publish per week or per month or whatever, it literally, from what I've seen, has zero effect. Cause I, I'm just sorry, I, I didn't want, uh, I just mean like literally, I'm out of curiosity, what is your publishing frequency? <laughs> Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, it's all over the map. So there will be, we're trying to get it more consistent because we want to, we're ramping up. We're actually in the process of hiring another content marketer to help us kind of manage everything and scale it up. But right now it's, you know, it could be sometimes it's like three, four posts a month. Sometimes we don't even post in a month. And sometimes it's even more than that. So, it. it, so it's when kind you of have all... something good, you're going to release it. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. I actually like that approach more versus just publishing for the sake of publishing. Because uh, to be frank, we we actually do that on on the Single Rain blog. You know, publishing just to publish used to work well in the past. It doesn't work so well anymore. It's got, it's got to be really good stuff. So the stuff I'm seeing on your blog is is actually really good. It stands out. And I think, um, assuming you use the Brian Deed skyscraper technique. Yeah, we do for a lot of them. Not every single one, but for quite a few. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And you talked about hiring uh, people to help you scale. So where do you go hire really good writers to help you scale your traffic? We're trying to figure that out ourselves, actually. Uh, We have some promising candidates so far. And from what I've heard and read and seen, uh, it's actually better to go to writing communities. And personally, we're looking more for direct experience with what they're going to be writing about over experience actually writing. If we can get both, that's awesome but I care more that the content is coming from a place of authenticity and you can tell they actually know what they're talking about and they're not just copying the other Google search results. Um, But as far as where to find these people, go to communities of writers that are related to your niche in some way. So like Facebook groups. um, I know there's a lot of Slack groups out there for writers or for just general marketing people. You know, Go out to your network and ask them if they've worked with any great writers who they would recommend, things like that. I would rather do that. Or even another thing you can do is look at your competitors or look at other blogs in your industry and find great articles that you really like on their site and see who the author is. And if they're hiring that person to write for them, reach out. Maybe they would write for you too. Yep. I love that. That always works well. Are there any, um, so I heard Slack groups, I heard Facebook groups, and then just kind of going to blogs. Anything else? Any specific job sites you go to? So ProBlogger has an awesome job board. We haven't actually posted a job there yet. But I have personally taken very many jobs from there back when we were offering freelance writing services. You know, it's really high quality people from what I can tell. Got it. Okay, great. So what's your long-term goal with uh, the Wandering RV? Like, what do you want it to get to? So it's, let's say it's making six figures a year. Like, you know, what's, what, what, how far do you think you can take it? Definitely seven figures at a minimum per year. I think at least a million visits per month. I know there's a lot of stuff out there in the travel niche, um, in camping, all these other things that we can still write about. Like we're barely scratching the surface here as far as what we've done. So I, I definitely seven figures. Great. And so aside from um, the content that you're publishing today, you've already built up the authority. What else is working for you in terms of customer acquisition? So. Pinterest, I mentioned that that was part of the other 10%. We 
it used to be a lot more. It was like 30% of our traffic, but we've kind of been neglecting it just because we've had so many other projects to work on. But I know Pinterest is practically like a second search engine. So that's done really well for us and it would continue to do well once we were planning on hiring a person to help us with that as well. But Pinterest is really good. And then, I mean, really, it's it's been mostly just content and uh, link building for us. For That's how we got the vast majority of that traffic. Right. And how many links do you think you built? I'm assuming you, done, you did a ton of outreach. Like manually, how many do you think you built? Probably a good three or 400. I mean, the site has over 500 links now. I think probably close to 300 of those were manually built either through guest posts or relationships or reaching out. And how long do you think it took you as one person to, or, or maybe you and your wife to, to get to 300? So right now we're at the, a little over 500 and it's been the full three years. I'd say we got to 300 maybe a year-ish ago. Okay, so it's, it's diligent, hard work, and plugging away at it. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So I do want to talk about trends a little bit too. So what are some SEO trends you're seeing that are making a big difference in terms of uh, you know how people are working right now? So... In, in terms of trends, a lot of the stuff is really, it's still the same stuff. It, at its core, it's just creating great content and building high-quality, authentic links that aren't spammy or anything like that. But um, there was one cool thing I just started testing out. So I think it was Matthew Woodward. And I know he's um, a black hat SEO guy. We're all white hat in what we're doing. But he still has some interesting things to say. And he found out a way to show frequently asked questions in the search results. So um, it, it's basically, he built this tool where you type in the question and answer and you can do as many as you want. And then you paste that code onto your uh, theme page, your theme.php or whatever it is. I'm not, a, I'm not a big code guy, but it'll actually show up under your search result. And it's like a click, you know, that people also ask button, a button. It, it's basically like that, but it's built into your search result. So it'll, you'll, it'll take up more real estate and it'll also drive more views, more clicks. So he knows how to force that? Yeah. Wow. And so, wait, he's selling something that does this, this, does this right now? No, he's giving it for free. I, I don't know why. I don't know how, but... Uh, wait yeah, a he's minute. Just like, okay, where, where is this? I, it's uh, um, matthewwoodward.co.uk, right? Yes. I, I always get him convinced, uh, confused with Matthew Barbie. But he's, <laughs> he, okay, this guy looks like a... Let's see. Da, da, da. Where, where can I find this thing? I... I so it's uh, I can send you the link if you want me uh, open it on Skype. Well, we'll drop this in the show notes. Uh, so let me see. I'm clicking it right now. I just want to take a look at this thing. Uh, so I think he he required you to share the article or something to be able to use the tool. But FAQ, FAQ page rich snippet generator. Oh, this is hilarious. Okay. Cool. This is super helpful. Um, there you go, guys. We'll drop this into the show notes, but you, you guys can Google it too. It's FAQ page rich snippet generator. And you can just Google, just type in Matthew Woodward after that. I'm sure you'll find it. So that's cool. Any other trends that you think are catching on right now? I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff, but in turn, like I said, it's all really just the same thing that it's been for the last few years. It's really, I think too many people are trying to find out these like quick ways of ranking or hacks or whatever, but it's really just about putting in the work, making great content, making sure that you're matching the search intent for the keyword you're trying to rank for, have one keyword for every single page that you're writing, and just building lots of high-quality links. Cool. Great. Now, I do want to, you talked about cognitive SEO, and you talked about this Matthew Woodward, uh, I guess, this little snippet generator. What is another tool 
that you really love and preferably something you added in the last year? It could be like a marketing tool, SEO tool, or even just a productivity tool. So um, I haven't really added many tools this past year. It's kind of been the same stuff for the last few years just because I found what works for me. But uh, I love Ahrefs. I'm a big, big fan of Ahrefs. And SEMrush I actually just started using as well. We have a comparison guide on BillWidmer.com. But basically, go with Ahrefs if you want to nail down just straight SEO because they have the better backlink um, analysis tools. They have a better data set. And then SEMrush also has like these social media features and all this other stuff. So that's kind of better for like a business owner who does a little bit of everything. But yeah, I love those two tools. And uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, I know Page Optimizer Pro, they actually just refreshed their UI. I haven't even gotten to look at it. I just got the email like yesterday or today. But uh, that, that one's pretty interesting. It's another one of those TFIDF, LSI keyword kind of things, but it has a little bit extra added onto it. Great. Uh, how about SEO blogs? What's what's your favorite SEO blog besides Backlink Oh, easily. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, yeah. Other than that, I really like uh, Ryan Stewart has a lot of good stuff. Uh, Matthew Woodward, I like. He, he does a lot of black hat stuff, which I'm not really into, like the PBNs and stuff like that. But he also has random tips like this. Um, he's got some good stuff. And then um, other than that, I mean, there, there's a bunch of random little ones. I think, uh, who was it? I forget. He just got acquired. Oh, what is his name? I can't remember. Maybe it'll come back to me. There's somebody else, but I'll, I'll let you know. Cool. Awesome, man. Uh, how about one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? Oh, this has nothing to do with business or SEO, but I really am loving the book. It's called How Life Works. Who is it by? Oh, Andrew Matthews. Andrew Matthews. Okay, great. We'll drop that into the show notes as well. So, Bill, I mean, this has been fantastic. What's the best way for people to find you online? Yeah, so if you go to BillWidmer.com, you can reach me there. I've got lots of content over there. Like I said, I have that Ahrefs post. I've got uh, an article about how we grew the Wandering RV to where it's at. It's kind of like a step-by-step case study. Um, you can also find me on social media, any of them, at the Bill Widmer. And then, of course, if you go to TheWanderingRV.com, we've got lots of stuff over there too. All right, Bill. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you, Eric. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.